0: Computer initialize
1: Hollow Sweet. Hollow Media!
0: This is the Fluffinado. The Expeditionary Force. Damn, you monkeys are dense as a neutron star. Embrace the suck, sir. I'm sorry. They are going to be so disappointed. Hello, and welcome to the Fluffernutter, an expeditionary force podcast. My name is Nathan, and I'm one of your monkeys for this evening. And I'm always joined by Steve, who's also known as Midnight Shadow. Hello. We also have
1: our extra special guest monkey, who's also Steve. Hello. Hello. This is, I, I am happy to be Steve, too. Monkey, monkey
0: two. (laughs) (laughs) So now we have all our monkeys here. So I think we're ready to begin. So I thought we'd start off today about talking about how we found the X-Force books. So Midnight, if you want to lead us how you found the books.
2: I found the books through you. Nathan had asked me about doing a podcast and told me about the books. So I sort of looked into it and thought they sounded interesting So I started listening to them and, yeah, it didn't take me long to get into the book and to actually complete the first book, then listen to each one. And within four weeks, I'd completed all the 11 main books and have also since listened to book one another two times ready for this podcast. Not that I enjoy it too much at all.
0: Crazy monkey. (laughs) So, Steve, or monkey two, how did you find the... uh those books
1: I was uh, fortunate enough somebody found it for me my my wife and child found it and uh, brought it to my attention we we listened to audiobooks uh, together as a family from time to time and they had completely chosen this one and I was, I was like okay all right I'll give it a shot and wow I mean they really picked a winner we were really excited about it and I've i have definitely carried on with the rest of the books but I think I've listened to Columbus Day I don't know at least five or six times
0: absolutely the same as me I found the books a completely different way I was listening to The Martian which was also narrated by R.C. Brain, and I thought wow I really like his style of narration I think it's really great I wonder if he's narrated anything else and I had a couple of Audible credits left and I thought, "Mm, I'll just have a little look. So I found it completely by accident and I got hooked ever since. So uh, it's my go-to for everything. So and I've listened to Columbus Day a few times. When I say that, it's about four and loving the book so far. So that's how we all found them. Okay, so Columbus Day then. Midnight and I were talking earlier and we really didn't know what Columbus Day holiday was all about. So we thought, We'd ask our monkey number two, Steve, tell us what, what is Columbus Day Because we don't really know.
1: Okay. Well, being from the United States, we've had Columbus day, which is typically October 12th, uh, celebrated based on Christopher Columbus traveling over the Atlantic ocean and finding this continent. So for some reason, we, we think that's, that's cause enough for a holiday. Or at least um has been and now it's actually quite controversial to uh to celebrate columbus but it's still on the calendar so we still mark it, it uh it really has a lot of it really has a, a lot of imagery or uh you know metaphor to well it's probably not metaphor i think it's just imagery to how uh civilizations that don't that are that are less technologically advanced React when a more technologically advanced civilization shows up. So um, the uh, the Native Americans here in the United States, seeing a a big um, Spanish or Portuguese ship for the first time, must have been incredible for them to encounter, and that's probably exactly what happened uh, to uh, all of us monkeys here on Earth when. Uh, we first see the, the Ruhar show up. And that's, that's a good place to start because it's very, um, it's very much a, a part of um, United States culture to understand that difference, that, uh, that contrast in, in techno- te- technological species, I guess.
0: Oh, that makes a, a whole complete new understanding for the uh, title now. So uh, I thought Columbus Day was all about leaf peeping.
1: <laughs> There's there 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 is a fair amount of leaf peeping uh during that uh uh <laughs> during that holiday but um but it's it's definitely um something that has been latched on by by the United States and Native Americans like to make us aware that hey uh it maybe not have been such a great day for us which it probably wasn't such a great day for humanity when uh Pristang and the and the ruhar showed up so very uh, very fitting one thing i noticed with chapter 1
2: was Craig actually deals with that in that first part where he said, like in the Native Americans in, was it 1492, that over the horizon come ships, technology, advance, aggressive culture, and that's it. Their lives have changed forever and for the worse. And it's quite fitting, the name of the first book, because it sets up what has happened here on Earth. And it's basically duplicating that, but in a space setting.
1: Right. And uh, unfortunately for the Native Americans, they never found a an elder AI to uh, kind of look after them. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So we, we've spoken briefly about the... Um... Ruha invasion. So should we dive straight into that? I mean, could you imagine what it would be like seeing that uh, Ruha spaceship fly over your town? I mean, I live in quite a quiet town. And I know if I saw anything falling out of the sky into the middle of the town square, I wouldn't be going towards it. I know I would be going the other way. So.
1: <laughs> well, if, if you would have asked me last year, Um, I would have had a completely different answer. I I would have said I would be completely surprised and freaked out and probably head for the hills. But in 2020, I I pretty much expected at this point.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's like, what else can go wrong? (laughs) Exactly. thing is, for me, I probably wouldn't have even noticed that it would happen because I would probably still be in my dark study with blackout blinds even during the day just like no lights just doing stuff on (laughs) computer apart from reports on the internet it's just like oh probably a hoax and I'll just carry on tv on in the background or audiobook on the background while doing something on computer and sort of not even notice it for the next couple of days (laughs) until the power goes out yeah until the power goes out it's just like look my battery could only last for so long
1: where's the internet gone (laughs) (laughs) so so are we talking are we talking a day two days six days how many how many days would that be
2: well if the internet had gone out and i'd probably know i would notice instantly Okay. So it depends because what I'd probably do is as soon as it goes down, I'd check my connection. So right, no line to the modem. So I'd then use my mobile phone to get a signal. So if depends how fast the mobile networks all went down. (laughs) But yeah, once that had gone down, it's like okay, what's going on? Then I'd go out. Well, maybe (laughs) you'd be too busy on the phone to
0: your internet service provider complaining about the shoddy service.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, knowing me, I'd probably start to write an email first and going, oh, shit, can't send it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. OK, so the aliens have arrived and um, we, we meet our hero, Joe. So he's going full heartedly into the uh, middle of the invasion zone and comes across the ice cream truck. Oh, yes. bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Would would you have gone with the ice cream truck or would you have found something
2: else? I I would have used whatever was there, to be honest. In that sort of circumstance, it's just like you can't be picky.
1: You definitely have to go with what you, you know, with what you have. Um, I think he's lucky that in Maine in uh, October, there's an ice cream truck at all. So uh, <laughs>
2: yes, that's absolutely. usually
1: usually the ice cream trucks are all packed up. But I guess one that's, you know, spray painted in a terrible imitation of a Barney caricature. Would probably be out there. It might be, you know, somebody's primary source of transportation. Who knows?
2: Well, he does actually say that it was sort of stripped down because there wasn't any of the seat belts or anything else in there. So it's probably was because of the time of year that it wasn't on the road. So they're actually working on getting it up and running for sort of spring summer time. Or giving it its
1: its a yearly overhaul, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Giving Barney a little bit of a touch up. <laughs>
1: You don't fight the Ruhar with the vehicle that you want. You go to fight the Ruhar with the vehicle that you have, which is, uh, I guess, Donald Rumsfeld's uh, quote for, you know, going into the Middle East. Yes, absolutely. uh,
0: Do you think if uh, Joe had the hindsight to know that Barney would follow him forever, would he have still
1: done it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he's he's of the character. If, even if he knew that that was what's going to happen, he would have. He always seems to do the right thing, and you know that's that would have been the right thing. But he would have hated it. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. I think he would have just hated it, but he would have still carried on. Just makes you wonder if he, if he had a chance to do it all again, would he? And I think definitely he probably would.
2: One thing I did find interesting was when it came to him serving is it was always listed, even when it came to his fire team and his second fire team. They had all served in Nigeria, whereas I'd never heard of anything going on in Nigeria. So I would have expected Iraq or Afghanistan. And you did get them mentioned later on by some service members.
0: Smythe, yeah.
2: But um, yeah, the main places that they were serving was Nigeria, which I thought was very different because, of course, I hadn't really heard of anything about that. So, Steve, was that something that was big in the news over in the States?
1: No, uh, actually. And, and I, I've thought of that quite a bit over, over the, the course of listening to the book. I th- and I could be completely wrong. And this is just me guessing. But I, I think that Craig just wanted to he didn't want to trivialize what some uh, members of the army or, or armed forces had gone through in the Middle East, probably wanted to take the, the, pol- the politics out of it and choose a different place that could have been a hotspot. That being said, we're typically involved all over the globe, and we don't necessarily know about it until afterwards. <laughs> So it could be something that, that was real, but I doubt it. I think, honestly, he was just trying to make sure he was being respectful to the armed forces and not trivialize uh, what they had gone through by choosing a separate place that maybe hadn't had that kind of
0: attention. Yeah, that, that's, that's the feeling I got. Uh, it was uh, a conflict that was going to happen in, the, in our near future, if you like, rather than something that's actually happened in this time.
2: The only thing that I could think of um, as a reason for choosing it was to do with the actions of the militias over there with how they treated women and young girls and with regards to what happens when they break out of jail and the treatment of the females in the storyline. So I did wonder if maybe there was more of that sort of behavior by those militias and what Joe experienced with what was it that school yeah so I do wonder if things like that is what made him maybe focus on another part of the world where that happened
1: that's a good point it may have been something where the author's trying to you know draw attention to some of the hey hey this is there's other there's stuff going on over here that isn't great but also it serves the purpose of paralleling uh, how humans and Christang go about interacting with each other. That's a, it, that's a good
0: point. Mm, absolutely. And I think the, the Christangs represent the worst in us all, don't they? Where the Ruhar are not so bad.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So he's captured the alien and now we're off into space. And I think, you know, the, the, the biggest thing for me was going up the, um, what do they call it? The beanstalk.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. The big space elevator. That's a dream yes. that we've all been <laughs> waiting for. But uh, I, uh, that was fun. I really liked that part. I really thought it was you know fairly well thought out how you know just logistics of how these characters are going to get around in the universe, what types of vehicles. I really like uh, different kinds of vehicles that are talked about through the all of the books. But as we're getting introduced to them in Columbus Day, that was definitely a very fun, uh, fun piece of technology that that they described yeah it's
2: one thing that i have actually noticed a lot of when it comes to the books craig's written is a lot more thought seems to have been given to the universe than you get with a lot of books because i think craig from my perspective he's gone into this with most or all of the storyline sort of mapped up in some sort of way Whereas I think a lot of writers, when they do a book, they're just focusing on a one book and then they expand on that. And to me, it just feels like he's had this big overall plan and then he's really gone down and sort of planned it all out. So he knows how all these things integrate from book one to however many books he's got planned for this. Oh yeah
0: absolutely um I was listening to him and RC Bray on their podcast or something they did for YouTube at the launch of the last book and he'd said he'd already written uh, the last couple of pages of the last book even though he hasn't written the books in between so He's definitely got a plan and he knows exactly where things are going to end up.
2: Interesting. You'll have to send me the link to that. Yeah. And what we'll do is we can include that in the show notes as well. So if anybody else who hasn't seen it, that they'd probably find that interesting. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna
1: click on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll send it over. (laughs) Okay, so the thing for me, the big space elevator thing just seems like a massive dream and I think we all would love one of those and uh, we, we've got things like Blackpool Tower in this country where you can go up to the top and have a look around and uh, having that looking round orbit that would be absolutely amazing so um, for me that was a big wow. It did remind me of another book, *Old Man's War*, which uh, they had a space elevator, the same sort of principle. But I guess that's theory, isn't it? uh, It could be practical if you had the millions and millions of dollars and pounds to build it.
1: I I don't. I'm 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 fresh out of space elevator building funds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, it's also going to be. It would be a matter of resources as well. Building something like that you would need some sort of material that was strong enough and light enough that it wouldn't just sort of fall down Mm. so of course it's interesting the way that craig describes some of these things as being sort of like as thin as a bit of string or hair or whatever it was and the fact that he's given thought of what would happen if it all broke and would wrap around the planet and
1: stuff Mm. that's a really good point i i like that you get enough detail that your brain can, can believe that it's plausible, but you don't get enough detail that you're disappointed that you know it wouldn't work. You know, that, that he has a kind of this great way of explaining away the, the pieces that you don't need. Don't worry about that. You don't need to really understand how the power source works. You're just monkeys and you, you're not going <laughs> to understand it. There's, there's a lot of that in some key, key places. But I think he does a really good job of balancing that out so that it's still very accessible for a reader to believe that this is something that's going on. You know, it's like Joe isn't super bright so you get to see the world through joe's eyes so it's like well okay i guess we're going to another planet
2: yeah well you also get that throughout the book where it's explained so even if it's not scientifically correct the way joe talks about it's just like well that's how i think of it anyway so it's like craig's get out of jail card when it's like something's. (laughs) so the scientists they go well that's just complete bullshit that's not how it works (laughs) but because it's from sort of Joe's point of view and because he has even admitted himself he's not the sort of the brightest person out there he hadn't even decided what he wanted to do in life sort of thing so it it it, it gives that sort of way of sort of saying right this is how I think it works and then of course from the Skippy side it's just like how do I explain it to you dumb monkeys and so it's sort of dumbed down in a way that they can try and Figure it out, but may not be completely correct, or the fact that he can't actually say something, so it's a very good and a, in most cases a very fun way of him explaining things that may not actually be correct at all, but it then doesn't matter
0: absolutely mm-hmm. and I love the way that Joe gets all his information from Wikipedia because I know that's exactly where I'd get mine from as well
2: well th- that the funny thing is of course is when we were talking about launching this show we were talking about the book and it's just like actually when is Columbus Day it's just like don't know and of course we both at the same time brought up Wikipedia and was like October 12th because <laughs> 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 it's just the thing you do
0: absolutely that, that's where my knowledge comes from is Wikipedia <laughs> so if it's wrong it's wrong um what am I gonna do <laughs>
2: Considering that most of the site, it's all driven by the community and you've got people from the community who check it, it's kept up to date with accurate information. I know there are times when people edited it and things are there for a short time but of course then when that all goes wrong it all sort of goes around the planet so quick with screen grabs and everything else and sort of it's almost like oh you can't trust wikipedia <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it's surprising how accurate and up-to-date it is actually kept
0: hmm. well i'm still waiting for someone to write my wikipedia page <laughs> so we'll find out
2: <laughs> well i am an author on it oh, there, well, we there go. you go happy <laughs> birthday <laughs> Many, many, many years ago, I was doing some work for a charity. So I created a Wikipedia page for the charity so people knew what they did. I haven't done anything on the site for many years apart from using it as a reference. But uh, yeah, I've still got a user on there. Mm, excellent.
0: OK, so let's move on to Christang Spaceships. <laughs> so uh, we're moving off the planet. We're on our Christang Spaceship. We're floating around. And Joe goes, where do I charge my iPad? I mean. That is such a me thing. Oh, where can I charge my phone? <laughs> so, um, would you have thought about taking your iPads and electricals
1: with you into space? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I Backup hard drives, everything yes. I possibly could. I'm like, you know, I may never be back. I need to bring as much as I possibly can.
2: I would have had external hard drives, laptop, tablets, phones. I would have had my spare battery chargers and connectors. I would have had the entire thing. But that's just me. How I once went to go to the IFA convention in Berlin for work. And of course, I had my laptop. And anybody who knows me knows I have got a huge laptop rack sack and of course went to um through the airport with it and of course I'd left all the spare wires and cables in it so of course called to go in through and I get pulled aside and asked to empty the bag and it's just like (laughs) cable after cable little pouches here they put it back through there's still cables in it finding where that is so I'm sort of stuck at airport security trying to get my bag emptied so they can actually check there's nothing wrong in there so yeah, I would have definitely have brought absolutely everything. And that would have been the first question I asked even before I got onto the elevator. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do think that that part right there where they, they start to talk about the Kristang spaceships, and really, that's where they really start to set up the rules of space travel, like how long it takes to get places. They, they really kind of set your expectations of, okay, it takes this long to get this far away if they take this and they do this kind of jump with this kind of, uh, spacecraft. And now we have long range, uh, carriers that you can latch on to, but those aren't crustang those are, you know, a different species. So that was really important to me. And when I listen to it and re listen to it, I think about that again, I'm like, okay. Okay. So these are the, these are the hardcore rules that Craig is setting up for how people are going to get around. And, uh, I thought that was pretty fascinating because That problem in every science fiction story that you really see, whether it's hyperspace or warp or, you know, Battlestar Galactica jumping or anything, everybody has their own kind of take on it. And this was, I I thought this was a very, I don't know, a good way to bridge between between some of those technologies and uh, interesting.
2: Yeah. Also, when he goes into all the species, as I was saying before, you can tell that there is a big overall plan because it's quite complex the structure of all the different species and who reports to who and the differences between them. And for a first book, for many sci-fi books, you don't get that sort of level of details until further books, which is why I was saying earlier, I always had the impression that these stories were mapped out on a big scale well before pen hit paper for
1: book one. And I think he takes his time um, really kind of establishing these rules and and establishing the characters. And so this is where sometimes Craig gets faulted for, you know, uh, story construction or whatever. But I think he's done a pretty good job of managing everything that needs to happen before really the big payoff at the end of the first book, mm. where really I, I feel like that's kind of where everything starts. Like everything else is just, we need this to to establish all the different rules and all the different characters and where everybody's going to be. and And then we can, you know, put the character up in a tree and throw rocks at the character, um, which is, you know, pretty standard. I think Craig did a really good job with that. But I had to tell, like, I, I was talking to my, uh, my pals on uh, the other podcast that I'm on. I'm like, you, you, you have to give it time. You have to get through it. It's, um, it's really good. There's a big payoff, but you really got to give it a chance. And, and everybody that I've, that I've told that that's come back to me and said they loved it really appreciated that because they're like, ah, after a little while, I, I had a hard time, you know. Like, where's this going? And then it gets there and then it's awesome. Yeah,
0: no, I totally agree with that. I mean, and you, you just see book one as um, the setup for the rest of the series. And without book one, you're not going to understand or have the rest of the series. So yeah, all the little setups, all the rules and everything is really important to me as well.
2: For me, I didn't have any sort of struggle trying to get to like the end or anything else. I really identified with joe and especially his sort of sense of humor and i just wanted to keep listening purely because of that and then of course by chapter 10 when you get to skippy the two of them i was laughing so hard i had tears and as i said i was enjoying it before then especially when they're at camp alpha and sort of you got was it McDougal saying but you fuck one sheep <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. just just uh. I hadn't expected that and I just laughed so loud the whole time just those sort of interactions it it just really is it's my sense of humor sort of thing and just absolutely loved it so there was no point of it where I was just going oh where is this going or I wish they'd wrap this up I was just enjoying that that story and going along with him finding things out
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I will say, um, it was when you were at that part of the book, um, the next day I woke up, got a text message from you, and it just said, you fuck one sheep. (laughs) It's just like, oh, I know exactly where he is in the book. (laughs) Yeah,
2: uh, because the last several weeks, I've been doing sort of 20, 24-hour days working on stuff for the relaunch of Holosuite Media and all the new podcasts. So I'd been listening to the audiobooks while getting stuff sorted. So of course yeah the middle of the night that thing happens and i i just i had to pause it i was just laughing so hard and i just had to say something to somebody so it just like went straight onto facebook messenger and just typed that in oh, that's
0: so funny <laughs> <laughs> so we've been to camp alpha we've uh met the mavericks but we don't know the mavericks yet and we've met shauna so i think joe did quite all right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> good for you joe Yeah, absolutely. And that was the first and last time. (laughs) Oh, no, I think he did get some more, but not yet.
2: Yeah, it's, again, even with that sort of his sense of humour and the humour of a lot of the other characters, just like, what do you think you're doing? I'm just putting my fingers through your hair. Just like, I don't think that's what. <laughs> and it's yeah. just, uh, yeah, it, it just really does sort of just, yeah, it just really makes me laugh, the whole yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, he's, he's definitely smooth. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> but no, the, the one thing that I had picked up on is left handed rifles. Now, I used to be in the army cadets when I was younger. And there was always a thing for recruits that knew nothing about handling weapons. Whenever you were doing something with them for the first time, it was a standing joke. You go, Right, is anybody left handed? Right, do you want to go down to the quartermaster and go and get a left handed rifle? Because although you can these days get adapters and things, but essentially there are no left handed rifles and the army they only have right-handed rifles when you go and train you're trained how to shoot with it with your Right finger on the trigger. But of course, he's got about having left handed rifles, and even when it comes to them later on, when it comes to the mech suits, and you've actually got people with the left hand having the bits for the bots with their left hand, it's just like, well, given that they're military and that they would have always used their right hand as a trigger finger, I don't think they would have used their left. Out of all the book, that was about the only thing that I picked up on which would have been wrong.
0: Well, maybe the uh, U.S. Army don't discriminate against uh, left-handed people, Steve. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, you know, from a country where where you can't, you know, shake a tree without a rifle falling out of it, it's it, it, there are there are adapters for the for right-handed, left-handed, but it, yeah, it's 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 the same way it's the, you get you get one rifle you learn how to do it one way but i mean th- how many times in other pieces do we get do we get stuck with controls that we're not happy with i, I know like in video gaming um, sometimes i'm too lazy to switch the controls exactly to how i like them to be so I have to retrain my brain to do uh, certain things on a video game controller because this game is slightly different than the other. I think that they could probably retrain their, their heads. But, you know, when it is fine motor skills on one side, it's not like you can do that with a guitar or anything like that either. <laughs> I mean, there's only, there's, there, there are left-handed guitars. There's right-handed guitars. There are left-handed people that play right-handed guitars. and There's right-handed people that play left-handed guitars. But you have to learn it that way, and you can't just pick up another guitar that's a different kind and and go at it unless you've taken the time to learn both ways. So I I just spent, I don't know, what, a minute and a half not knowing what I'm talking about? (laughs) Don't we all. (laughs) That's me most of the time.
0: Right. Okay. So we've uh, been to Camp Alpha. We've uh, managed to get ourselves a promotion. Well done, Joe, Sergeant. And you get fire team and sent off to Paradise. So let's talk about the smell
1: then. Parmesan cheese.
0: <laughs> Is that a place we want to live?
1: Uh, I, I, mean, I had I had Parmesan cheese last night, and it seemed okay. But you know, after a while, I think I think looks like anything. You'd you'd kind of become desensitized to it, and. And uh, when you get back to Earth, you wonder where the Parmesan cheese smell is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and thinking about the smells there, where it's all described really well, it just really puts that whole planet. um, Ah, it's not exactly paradise. It's got a bit of a whiff to it. And he he brings that back in several of the other books. That paradise smells a bit funky. So uh, it's uh, it's really quite interesting that that that's been built up and put in place. And that's that's part of the culture there.
2: For me, I have no sense of smell, so it wouldn't have actually bothered me because I've got severe allergy problems and severe sinus problems. So most of the time I can barely breathe through my nose, never mind smell. So um, so, yeah, for me, I wouldn't have even noticed. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Would <laughs> have been all kinds of happy. I, I, I like the paradise setting because I get to we get to interact with two characters that really stand out for me that I really like, uh, the Burgermeister and Lester Cornhole. Yes. <laughs> I, l- I love the interaction between, you know, both of those characters and Joe, but I, I think I get, I get more of a kick out of Lester. I think the Burgermeister is a really well done character, but I think Lester's hilarious.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, he, he is just uh, a shining moment and, uh, I always want him to be one of the pirates because I really like him. I'd like to see more of Lester Kornhart. And I don't think we, we actually go back to him, do we? Yeah,
1: I, You don't hear about, there might've been one part where they go back to Paradise and they mention, mention him one time. I yeah. can't remember, but it would be, it, it would be really awesome if, uh, if Lester and Joe got to see each other one more time. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I really like Lester
0: <laughs> and all the little Kornhauts.
1: I think I saw at a at one of the fan um, at one of the fan events here in the U.S. I think I saw somebody dressed up like Lester Cornut. Excellent. <laughs> and, oh, wow. and and it was it, it, okay. First of all, it was super creepy, but um, but also <laughs> but also remarkably accurate. Um, I'm like, yeah, that's that's exact. That's Lester.
0: <laughs> that's excellent. That really is. That really is. I mean, and tea with the Burgermeister. I think that is just amazing. The hamsters have cups of tea just like we do. I just thought that was uh, that a really nice little tie-in. So uh, if we, if we're talking about Burgermeister, then uh, we we have to mention um, Major Perkins.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And and I did not see her becoming like a a, a you know a major character, but boy, they really developed her.
0: Yes, I was shocked that she she actually came back. I, I was like, oh, she's she's really okay. She's uh, seems a bit like she's got a stick up her ass, but but that's obviously majors in the army. <laughs> but you know, but looking at her now, um, I really like her and how she developed over the uh, series.
2: Well, the thing is, she was the intelligence officer, wasn't she? Yes, she's all about facts and information gathering. So for her. everything's serious it's not where sort of you've got all the people at the bottom of the ladder who all the grunts um who are sort of in the field and everything else so it's all about information so she always was going to be a sort of serious character especially to begin with and
1: i like that it turns into you know she has to do um, she gets into the, some of the same kind of scrapes that Joe gets into, but she doesn't have an elder AI to pull her fat out of the fire every time, you know, yeah. she kind of has to do it herself and has to rely on herself. And she's had to make those hard choices, but you don't, again, in this book, you don't get to see that part of her. You just get to see the, the beginnings and how she interacts with Joe. And, and I think she, they've kept her fairly consistent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she also did well
2: because there's the point where, because wasn't it her that actually informed Joe that he was being promoted to colonel?
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> she did did so with a
1: little bit of disgust in her face. Yeah. So
2: it's just like, you're being promoted like three levels or two levels above her sort of thing. Because it's just like, oh, you're doing well to be promoted to that. It's just like, no, it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just,
1: it's just like, uh...
0: I mean, and all, all he had to do was uh, blow up two transport
1: ships full of troops. I mean, easy. Oh, and see that? I thought that was where a lot of really, I mean, he, Joe is not, he he has some blood on his hands, right? <clears throat> and he, he doesn't necessarily know it, but I thought that was a, a nice touch to put, to give him some, you know, some weight, uh, some moral weight of what he has done in this, uh, in this conflict where he, you know, shot down and actually, you know, took a lot of lives of, you know, Ruhar. And yet the burgermeister is willing to, you know, I mean, she, she full on works him over several, um, several visits to her. Like she, Mm. you know, almost like you would develop a, a spy. You you bring them on slowly. You give them little, little bits of information. You ask them questions that that they have, because she knows that Joe has to come to these conclusions on his own. She can't just hit him with, uh, "You're in a lot more trouble than you think you are." This has happened. You know, she needs to ask him the questions. And I thought that was I thought that was a good piece of tension because she is working somebody that it has been promoted because of, um, because of a, a heinous thing that happened to her species. So, uh, you know, good piece of uh, good piece of tension there, Craig.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the fact that she offers him a job at the end uh, before he busts out of jail as well. is like, yeah, she, she obviously sees potential in what she can get from him as well.
1: Right.
2: Well, it's also very different because she sees actions of war in a different way. And it does get explained in the books. Her species have been fighting. Long before her great 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 grandparents. So, the loss of life due to war and the changing of factions and planets and all things, that's quite normal for her and her species, whereas it isn't for people on Earth. A good point. So, you do have that. And I think also when it comes to Joe and his thoughts of taking down those two whales, also brings parallels to what happens here on Earth and what people suffer from mentally who like when you've got drone pilots and aircraft pilots cuz a lot of the combat that especially for the UK and the US a lot of the actual combats where there's especially a lot of life lost is due to drone and aircraft strikes rather than people on the ground although there still is a lot of mm-hmm. life lost through that but Yeah, a lot of that stuff is done where you don't see the enemy's face. And the fact that he's actually gone into detail of him imagining that the pilot looked back and saw him and stared at him and things like that. And it's just like, how many pilots and drone pilots are going through that in our own countries? They take these lives, but they're essentially almost playing a
1: computer game. Yeah, that's a good point. At least Joe had the feeling like, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of defending myself and I'm defending, you know, the humans that, that are out here. And those, you know, poor drone pilots, they, they don't have that moral justification of, well, I'm defending myself um, when you're sitting in a, you know, trailer 20,000 mm-hmm. miles away from your target or, or however far. So there's, there's that piece that he can kind of anchor himself to a little bit. That uh, that probably helps, but yeah, that that weight has to be has to be pretty big on him.
2: Yeah,
0: totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, but fool is a uh, fool is a good thing. So he also ends up in jail nice <laughs> So uh,
2: yeah, well, it also goes because we go back to the Burgermeister and how she recognizes that although he took an awful lot of lives, he retaliated because the hamsters had basically taken hundreds of his people and they were essentially at war. And she also recognised the fact that he had, when it came to people who were not combatants, that he went out and suffered because he stuck up for people who were civilians, who weren't actually fighting
0: yeah and i think that is like the essence of joe isn't it i mean that's his he's got his morals and he's not going to change his mind just because someone tells him he believes what's right and what's wrong and he knows the difference and i think that that's really important and that just shows you that's that's joe bishop yeah yep Okay, so he uh, ends up in the Kristang Jail to start with, and during the Ruhar reinvasion breaks out. And this is where we meet Colonel Chang, Adams and Desai, isn't it? Yes. So the, the first of the pirates, the originals.
2: And of course, you meet these women who are in a vulnerable state, and... Craig has done a very good thing of showing how strong these women are. He hasn't done what a lot of books do because it's a woman that's in the book that they're just weak and they're reliant on the men. So if they're strong from the get go. It's just like, I don't give a shit if I'm naked. I'm getting out of here these boots are just useless I'll go barefoot they're very we're getting out of here sort of thing Mm -hmm. and I'd be very interested we have actually got lined up as a guest at some point a woman to be on the show so I'd be very interested in actually talking about the women of the book series with her so we will eventually branch off to do that but the fact that we have so many strong female characters I really do like about these books. Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I think Adam scares me. <laughs> I, <think> she, <laughs> I,
2: I don't think we can be friends. She just petrifies
0: me I and mean, she does all the way through. Well, even when you get to see her soft, softer side, she, she's just like, oh, uh, I don't think we'd be best friends. Okay, right. So um, we, we've reached the point. We have to talk about Skippy.
1: <laughs> we have to have a very serious a very serious conversation about Skippy. I
0: mean, basically, he's a, an Alexa, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I work here in, um, uh, in Microsoft land, and uh, my wife actually works on AI for Microsoft. And she has been lobbying Microsoft for we have to get R.C. Bray to do the Skippy voice for whatever <laughs> whatever artificial intelligence we put out there. She's definitely talked it up. I don't know Definitely. how successful she's going to be, but uh, but if it happens, it's it's her. Okay, she did. It. I'm not taking credit for it, but she, she'll do it. Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be her. That would be amazing.
2: You can just imagine it. You ask a stupid question, you dumb monkey. <laughs> I'm hoping.
1: <laughs> I am hoping that's the case.
2: Oh, that would just be so good. That would be amazing. Thing is, you know, if it did do that they would have so many sales. (laughs) Absolutely. Because as soon as as it got onto the internet, people were like, really? And you'd just get so many people guessing it just for like the Skippy insults. Right. Even if it's just an option,
1: you know, you just download the pack and have it it go from there. Sure. That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, Skippy, um, what a great, um, he's not, I mean, he's definitely his own character, you know, he's the the sex Machina or the, you know, he's not a MacGuffin, but uh, he's kind of, I I don't know, I enjoy enjoy what he brings to the series because he he brings that Skippy magic, which is a get out of jail free card, right? But also, you know, that just opens up humanity to this whole other world of, you know, a, a galaxy worth of knowledge that he's able to either pass down or he's not allowed to passed down which makes you even more curious as to what's going on but yeah um the way they interact oh i I love the way they interact it's uh it's nice that joe treats him like an equal even though he's this you know you know superior being in almost (laughs) every
2: way a lot of people on earth like the scientists it's like oh sort of hold him into reverence and everything else but he's just like you're a beer can
1: shut up (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that is kind of a very... I mean, I feel like that's a very American thing. You know, it's very, it's fairly impolite. And, uh, and, you know, who are you to talk to me kind of thing.
2: Well, the thing is, if it was somebody who maybe was a colonel, then maybe they would have thought this is a resource. But at the end of the day, he's a grunt. And the first thing he thinks is, I'm being pranked. Right. And he treats it as that. And the thing is, because Skippy basically comes back with the same banter, it goes on from there. So I don't. I think if someone who was further up the chain of command maybe would have thought this is a resource and you wouldn't have had that. And Craig does actually cover that in the book. Um, I think he in book two about somebody actually says what if somebody else had discovered Skippy
0: yeah he wouldn't have been an arsehole would he
2: <laughs> maybe not because of course who else was it that was in that group you had of course you'd got Chan you'd got a staff sergeant because you got Adams and
1: Sai I think Captain Desai Sai
2: so they were two of them were officers but of course if you'd actually got Adams you probably would have ended up with the same thing.
1: She has, uh, she has that attitude. Yeah. That yeah. You, you would have gotten something fairly similar, definitely.
2: But I think if it had been Desai or Chan, then it might have been different because they probably would have recognised Skippy would have been a resource and then just asked a lot more questions rather than throwing insults.
0: So mm. oh, we're glad Joe found
1: Skippy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, that, I mean, like I said earlier in the podcast, that is where it really starts swinging. I, I feel it, it like it goes hard from that point um, all the way to the end of the book. Like, Absolutely. I feel like it's, there's no real lull. You're, you're not getting extra exposition. And that, that's what really made me want to get to the next book. That really, that really pushed me forward. I also, I always forget that there's they, they steal these ships and they they leave one of them here at Earth and and it just kind of hangs out in orbit but it's you know kind of not accessible to any of the humans oh, because yes. you know Skippy puts the big bike lock on it and uh, won't won't let him won't let him get to That's it, it
0: not playing with the toys
1: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but I but I love that they well I love that you know uh, Chang's with them and you know, from the beginning and decides there from the beginning, everybody there is, you know, kind of picked up along the way. Um, and you, you get kind of a crash course in how to get home. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: But I think one of the best parts of the book is when Joe introduces Skippy. Once they hit orbit, <laughs> <laughs> he changes his skin towards it. Bud Light. And it <laughs> says absolutely nothing.
1: <laughs> that, that, was, that was hysterical. That was absolutely hysterical. And why, and why did he choose Bud Light? Oh,
2: Well, how, um, at that point, because, of course, it's just like how Joe asked this question. It's just like, how does he know so much about Earth culture? Mm-hmm. We already know that there have been satellites put into Earth orbit from um, the Ruha. So obviously he's been getting, because he's been stuck on the planet, he's been getting all that data from the satellites. And we do later on in the books find out a bit more about Skippy's connection to what goes on on Earth as well. Mm -hmm. And so obviously he knows all this stuff. But again, why that particular one? So I do wonder if that's maybe one of Craig's favourite drinks. That's a good point.
0: Well, we'll send him a case, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, so we're we're in space and we're we're loving Skippy and they they've got this Cristang ship, the flower based upon Cristang poetry. I mean, who would have thought the Cristang <laughs> poetry? I don't know if anyone's seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or oh, read yeah. the, uh, Vogons like their poetry as well, don't they? So <laughs> yeah, they, yes, maybe, exactly. Yeah. So I'm thinking mm, Big Green Lizzy type people. <laughs> so maybe it's the uh, the green lizardy type like poetry. So uh, maybe.
2: But the thing is, in some ways, you think of any culture on earth. It's just like you think gangsters. Well, they've got rap. You've got all sorts of other groups who can be very violent but still have their own music. So it's not really surprising, but it's not the first thing you put together with a savage race or something. So just the fact that they name their ship warships after poetry it's just something just so very different
1: I love the ship names that um the christine come up with but I I really love <laughs> I really love the giraffe, the names I know they're not we're not talking about those today but yes <laughs> but I I'm I'm excited to hear you talk about those um, on a later podcast but uh, but yeah I, I I like that they get the flower and you know what I miss the flower right mm. like uh, that that was a very useful uh, ship for them, and how they use that to get to the star carrier that they end up taking the. Um, and I'll let you, I'll let you get there before I do. I hate to be one step yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, no, go go for it. You talk about the Dutchman. Well, yeah, this they they get to the Dutchman, and it is such a. The way it's described, it's a star carrier where there's all these different places for um, other ships to be latched on to it, so that it can go long distances. And it's that means that the you know the fuselage of this thing, or what you would think is the fuselage, is super long, is very very long. So it's a weird it's a weird looking spaceship from end to end, and that's the that's the ride they decide to steal and. I think Joe is like, hey, what about that one over there? And he's like, Skippy's like, no, idiot, we're taking that one. And he's like, I don't want to take that one. He's like, we're taking that one. It's, you've seen that in like a, you know, a bunch of you know, buddy cop movies where they're you know, trying to get away and they take the wrong car or whatever. But I like that. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's amazing how they end up with it. Um, and to have the little um, trick making all the and go to sleep as well. Perfect. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was great. And I like that they, they don't use that all the time. In fact, there's always a reason why they can't use it, right? Skippy always says, well, we can't do it because of this. And he's like, hey, can't you do it? Nope, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but that first time, it could. And I, and I liked that.
0: Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I think it's, it's fantastic the way they didn't use Skippy um, always as... Uh, you watch Doctor Who, right? And Doctor Who has um, the sonic screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Um, and Skippy doesn't turn in to the sonic screwdriver all the time by right. using the same trick. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I would actually quickly want to quickly go back to the flower. Mm-hmm. One thing which I thought of, because of course it's the first ship that they lose as well, is about whether there's a sort of sexual reference to that because ships are usually named after women and when a woman loses their virginity it's losing their flower. So whether or not the naming of it and that had any relation I don't know. Well
0: the the full name of the ship is the heavenly morning flower of glorious victory so (laughs) (laughs) it it might do.
2: I don't know why it popped into my head, but it was just this weird thought. It's just like, hmm, I wonder if that was actually named as a sort of internal joke of Craig's, just to see. I wonder if anybody actually sort of thinks of this, <laughs> or is that just a British reference?
1: Oh no, that you, you hear that you, you hear that over here too. That's Okay, a, yeah, it's a thing. So, but yeah, it was just something that I
2: sort of picked up on seems very relevant when of course being the first ship that they lose the first ship that they gain and they sort of move on to bigger better things sort of thing
1: i just suddenly thought hmm. yeah i i don't know we should uh does anybody have craig's phone number we should just give him a call (laughs) yeah just ask him him, him. hey did you uh did you think about virginity when you uh named the ship
0: (laughs) (laughs) is this an ode to an (laughs) (laughs) ex-girlfriend
1: oh i hope not (laughs) Yeah. oh I, oh! i hope not <laughs> yeah if it
2: was i don't think he would admit that to his wife there we are <laughs> so um but yeah as i said it was just a random thing and i thought I, well, before i forget about it and we move on too far Oh, there we go um but also the naming of the the flying dutchman as well sort of like all of them talking over each other about what it should be called and of course you'd got the star trek reference of it being called enterprise which is also a scene in stargate so if you've got carter going you cannot call it the enterprise it's like why not because <laughs> yeah. you get so much pop reference throughout the books and you've got, like, um, the red shirt reference as well, because I think that was in book one. Yes, yeah. And just the fact that they're having that same conversation, and I think there's uh, Independence Day one about the communication. It's just like, oops, what do you mean, oops? We've got to work on our communication. (laughs) There's so many references to other sci-fi films and characters and little mini quotes. So it's just like, how many of these can you pick up on? and? I'm sure somebody somewhere has actually got a list of what references are in which places from Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargates and other films. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. But, and every time I've listened to it, because as I said, in the last few weeks I've now listened to book one three times. It's just like, oh, actually that's from this one. And...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you do pick up on it all the time, especially as you go through the other books where you get um... – a lot more, and uh, won't give any spoilers. But the Skippy hologram is like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I love the Skippy hologram, uh, especially where he appears as a Jedi Knight.
2: <laughs> yeah, that'll be good to when we get to because yeah. the holograms book two is it? Was it three?
0: Yeah, I think it's three. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's two or three. So yeah, yeah it, it'll be so fun to get into that at some point, and especially how that the hologram itself develops more characteristics of humans as time goes on
0: yeah absolutely so we're we're about to save the earth now um we're, i don't think we've even spoken about the asteroid raid and discovering the combots after Jero's um two weeks of planning <laughs> 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 right. Like, yeah, that's totally Skippy. I mean, and, and it's like um when you're doing a web search for something, it's like, oh, well, why didn't that pop up earlier? It's like, oh, because I didn't put that input in. So, And I, th- I think it brings it back that Skippy is, he, he can't think like we think. So not organically, he's very much programmed.
2: It's very much like with Stargate, when you'd actually got this ancient alien race who get o'neill to go and help them out because they need stupid ideas because their level of thinking is just so much more for far above that you don't think of it and as a programmer the amount of times i'm trying to figure something out and i'm thinking about doing this and doing that and someone just says can't you just do that it's just like oh shit <laughs> it's just like oh yeah duh. <laughs> because it's just it's overthought it's just like oh you can't do that because of this this and it's just like yeah but you can just do that But how many times do you're trying to sort something out and you have overthought it so much? And it happens to all of us all the time. And that's the thing when you've got Skippy and Joe is it really sort of highlights that. And it's just like the whole spacesuits. (laughs) It's just like Skippy comes up with this great big plan. And it's just like, yeah. And how do we breathe in a vacuum? Yeah. (laughs) Spacesuits.
0: Perfect. So we save the Earth. We get back to Earth, and Thranon are there, and um, we we go full force into everything, and uh, and blow them all up, and uh, we've got a planet back. How do you think everyone's going to survive after that? I mean, it's such a such a huge thing. So the rumours about the flying Dutchman and. Uh, Sergeant Bishop <laughs> or Colonel Bishop are going all around. If that happened in today's age, um, how would we all cope with that? I mean, I, I just don't know.
1: Well, I, I think it would be. I mean, you, you, I, I think we would be, you know, feeling the pressure under the thumb of a, you know, a superior race that's just going to keep us down, and then we kind of get released from that. It may have put a lot of things in perspective for a lot of humans. And, uh, you know, unified us a little bit more, uh, brought us together a little bit more. Mm. So what struck me was when Joe gets, uh, gets back and he, and he has to meet with the president. And I know that this was, this was written before our 2016 election because Craig didn't make reference to the name of the president, but it was a woman president. Yes. And and I, was, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, all right okay there we are and then uh and then now we are definitely not in that universe yep. that's, <laughs> that yeah that's definitely that absolutely. definitely went the other way and, and i bet and i you know later in later books when they come back and it's a new administration um and <laughs> it's not as easy for joe i think he alluded to that too yeah but yeah. but they ask him what would you like you know what would you you Know what would you like for saving the earth? And he and and I, bl- I blur- blurted out laughing when I heard this the first time cheeseburger.
2: Yeah, I want a cheeseburger yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when in episode zero, when of course I'd only just listened to that section again, so of course all I had on my mind was cheeseburgers and just I couldn't think of anything else.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of want one now, yeah, always.
2: In this week's shopping, because I've now, as I said, I've listened to the book in the last week twice now. And all I've been thinking about is having cheeseburgers. So my wife has actually added burgers and cheese to the shopping list so we can have cheeseburgers. Because all I can think of these days is having cheeseburgers. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean,
0: it was in one of the other books where um, Craig was describing this sandwich and it was the one with um, maple mustard and everything and it's like i need that sandwich so it's like no i i need to make this sandwich and i need to make it now um it's just incredible it just really makes me hungry all the time
2: oh yeah we're definitely gonna have to do an episode on food one of the people i've been speaking to about being a guest host she's desperately wanting to create a food cookbook based on x-force <laughs> thing is i know once we finish i'm going to be starving hungry by the end of it despite it more than likely going to be our evening and i don't already have eaten dinner <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> i i definitely do i i remember i need to post you to a can each of uh, the brown bread in a can oh yes yes <laughs> but i need to remember was joe pro raisin or against raisin
0: oh i think he was against raisin
1: yeah okay um, I, have, I, I actually enjoy the raisins, so I'm going to have to get a couple of the plain. And when I get the plain, then I'll, um, I'll ship those over to you and you can, you can tell everybody what you think. Yeah, sounds good.
2: <laughs> on the topic of food, I th- thought it was funny how so many people reacted on social media to our episode zero and me having chicken in the flutter nutter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's airlock material. Um, it really is. But... <laughs>
2: that is
1: an abomination. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because it's not like I've changed ingredients because um, there is a part of the book where somebody changes some bits around rather than just adding stuff to it mm-hmm. and it's not like chicken is anything special because it's all chicken so it's bland and right um so I don't know I think Joe wouldn't be too upset with having chicken in a flatter nutter
0: if it was bacon I would agree with you um chicken is airlock
2: that's actually a good idea. I might actually get some bacon bits and put it in with the chicken. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> we'll find out next time how that goes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> actually, could you take video of that? Um, we, we'd like to see some video of that. Oh.
2: Yeah, what I'll do is I'll video me making uh, bacon and chicken flutternut.
0: <laughs> flutternut, <Bluffernutter>, yeah.
2: <laughs> see what the reaction is on oh. social oh, media.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. You'll get banned.
1: <laughs> Probably yeah. one of the admins hey quit posting this <laughs> yeah obscenities
0: oh, absolutely and i think apart from returning into space with a, a new crew and the mission to go and see what they know about humanity i think we're we're pretty much wrapped up on the first book
2: oh but you gotta talk about um oh what was that scientist's name
1: um the one that everybody hates Oh yeah. yeah. They really put him in his place. That, that had to have been a real person. That a had, it was a <laughs> that had to have been somebody in, in Craig's past that he needed to, he, that like his, his psychologist told him to work it out on <laughs> uh, on that person in the book. But that, that was pretty great.
2: But yeah, especially when it came to him trying to get on and he's talking to Skippy and Joe, when even with them in the bar. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: And especially when he goes, you can't even talk to me until you solve this equation. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "What did you send him?" He goes, "Just some sort of bullshit, basically." Uh, uh, yeah. Which, of course, exactly. even made his um, guard detail smile because, of course, she'd yeah. been so stoned faced before. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think you're probably right. It's probably that person we've all worked with and uh, we wish they got their comeuppance. So, uh.
2: <laughs> yeah. So there's always somebody who just sort of looks down on everybody else, regardless. doesn't matter what they achieve. It's just like, so sort of, you're still nothing.
1: So uh, here's a question for, you know, I know we're winding down, but uh, would either of you go on that, uh, that next mission? Would, would either of you hop on the Dutchman and head out with everybody?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Ooh, maybe.
2: It's the unknown. It's, it's like the scientists. They know going into it that there's a very big chance they are not coming back. But if you've got something, it's just like how many of us have thought about going into space? Um, we've watched Star Trek, Stargate, Star Wars. And it's just like, yeah, what would happen if we were part of those crews? What would we do? And it's just like, if you really had the chance, would you really say no? Because, yes, admittedly for us, we've got families. But apart from that, it's just like this sort of opportunity. It's just like, would you really have said no if you didn't have that sort of commitment? And even if you did, if you'd worked your whole life to figuring out the galaxy as a scientist, again, would you say no to it? Even if you never made it back, you would be able to gain that knowledge and figure out how many things that you just wouldn't have the opportunity to otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And it also puts it back to Columbus. How many people went on his ship knowing that, oh, you're going to fall off the edge of the world sort of thing because... People thought the world was flat and that they were never coming back, but still, they went on there because it's just like, what is out there? Is it mm-hmm. really just this big drop, or is there some other land, or all these things? And it's like with all these pioneers, and I th- again, it all links back to Columbus Day. Mm, absolutely, yeah, that's
0: a good point. I mean, for me, um, as long as I could get guaranteed that I wasn't eaten by a lizard. Um, I don't think I would be able to do much. I'm a daycare nursery manager. Um, so and, you can look after Skippy. Yeah, well, look after Skippy and Joe, <laughs> I guess. Uh but I think that's all that's all I could do. So I think I would be a big spare part. Yeah,
1: that's that that's a that's a good point. But you know, eventually you're gonna be needed. <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> Well, I I can tell you they definitely don't need a uh, a software salesperson. That's why I would be absolutely useless going on, uh, uh, going, of course, I would want to go. But for the good of humanity, I would probably need to stay home. Just because I would, I'd I'd be the guy that just gets in the way, you know, I'm standing on whatever part they need, or I'm absolutely the guy that would get in the way.
0: So you mean like Joe Bishop?
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I wouldn't have any ideas. That'd be my thing. I'd stand around a lot. I don't know. You're gonna have to fix this yourself. (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. The galaxy does not need another middling drummer to show up and (laughs) play out in the stars. But I, I would love to go and see everything, of course. But yeah, I think for the good of humanity, I'd, I'd have to stay home. Yeah,
0: I think the same for me. we will just to uh, eject Midnight off onto the Dutchman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One
2: thing I think we should also talk about is the reason that Skippy likes Joe, because this is dealt with at the end when it comes to who's in charge. And he goes into why he basically becomes his best friend, because he was the first entity to actually treat skippy as an individual he didn't treat him like a computer program or anything else which probably even the elders would have done Mm -hmm. he actually treated him as he was a real person and it's one question that i had thought of it's just i know they developed this friendship but why does skippy like joe so much and of course it does get answered It's this whole thing about respect and how you treat other people. Something as simple when it comes to like bullying, even as a kid, it's just like you call somebody else a name and it can really have an effect on somebody. And it's all turned around in this instance because Skippy, who has never been anything apart from an AI who has a job to do, is given respect albeit through insults and everything else, but he is actually treated in a way that he's never been treated before.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a very touching way um, they do build up their friendship. And it just makes me ask the other question as well.
1: Why is Joe so close to Skippy? That's, that's a good point. I'd want to, I would want to explore that.
2: Mm. Well, for me, I always saw it. And he does again go into this to begin with. He's keeping his word he is a soldier. He needs a way to make sure his family, his friends and the other people of Earth are safe. And Skippy is the way to do that. But he also respects Skippy due to the fact that for the most part, where he can, he tells the truth. He's not bullshitting. He's up front. I want to contact other AIs. And there's no trying to sort of mislead him and anything else like that, And Joe has said on multiple occasions, the amount of information they usually get given is often bugger all. Mm -hmm. But with Skippy, he tells them right off the bat, I want to be able to contact other AIs. I need you to help me do that. If you can promise me you will help me, I will help you. And this is the reason why Joe likes him is because unlike other people that he's reported to or dealt with, He's actually got the information straight away. And for Joe, he respects that.
1: And they work hard to honor, honor each other's agreements. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And, and as, as the books progress, um, they also forgive each other quite a lot of yeah. uh, misdeeds. And I think that just builds them up stronger and stronger and stronger. So I'd love to see where it heads to next.
1: And I think where it heads to next would probably be on the next podcast, right? Well, I think that's where we're heading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There was another part of the book that I wanted to talk about. When they're on paradise, it goes into information, again, about food, but about meat.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
2: Even here on Earth, because we have all the problems with cattle, one of the big pollutants is the amount of cattle and the amount of land that's used for grazing and in comparison for other things and we do actually have scientists working on a way to create meats, which is basically generated in a lab rather than a living animal. And Craig has actually integrated that as part of something that the Ruha ha- have. So it's not alive because they've got a machine that basically makes it move to build up the muscle density and everything else to actually make it usable.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And I thought that was an interesting thing to include because just for land purposes, pollution and things like that, we're already having to look into ways we can reduce the pollution and the greenhouse effect and all these other things. And finding alternative food sources like that is something we're actively looking at. And I think it's good the way that that is actually being brought into the books as a way for feeding people so it gets more people open whether or not this was deliberate or not but it sort of makes people think about oh if this has then yeah there'd be no problem eating it rather than people going oh it's grown in a lab i'm not touching it so i thought that was sort of an interesting thing to do
0: yeah and i always thought does it make you vegan (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) If if you eat that, are you vegan? If you're not eating real flesh,
1: (laughs) that's a that's a good debate.
0: Absolutely.
2: They talk about the hamsters as basically being vegans anyway, because there's no meat. But the meat they obviously do have is grown in such a way. So, which of course then makes me think, why couldn't they do the same sort of thing but tweak the way the meat is produced so it's then edible for humans?
0: Hmm, interesting. They could probably do that.
1: I think it was a very, it was a very interesting uh, part of the book. I I think my wife and I were talking about that just the other day out on a walk. We were, we were discussing that, that Ruhar thing. Uh, So I'm glad you brought that up.
2: The two books I haven't yet read are the two Maverick books. So whether or not they get mentioned in those ones, but I'll have to find out when we read them and we can discuss that when it comes to covering those books on the podcast
0: yeah absolutely when when we get there okay right i think we're we're at a wrap so um i'd like to thank everybody for joining so a big thanks to steve our special guest monkey
1: thanks for thanks for having me it's been a lot of fun yeah you're so welcome you mentioned
2: that you have your own podcast did you want to tell people where they can find you
1: no yeah yeah, sure. <laughs> if, uh, if people are not already tired of hearing my voice, you can hear it along with, uh, uh, with my buddy Dave, whom I've known since, since what we call preschool over here. So uh, about, about four years old, he and I have been pals, and we do this uh, podcast every week called The Dave and Steve Show, so you can look it up that way. Fantastic. I'll certainly give that. Okay.
0: I'd also like to say a big thank you to Steve at uh, Midnight Shadow. Do you want to say where you can find you?
2: Most people can find me over the internet at Midnight Shadow 7. That's night spelled N-I-T-E. And the podcasts, if you head over to holosweetmedia.com, where um, this podcast is housed, then you'll be able to find all the other podcasts that I help get on the net. And, of course, if you would like to follow this show, you can get us the Fluff Nut Pod at gmail.com or the fluff nut pod on any of the social media networks the reason it's shortened that way is because twitter's handles have to be 15 characters or less and then it was of course easier to keep it all the same um, even though it it does sound a bit like a porn name <laughs> but i thought screw it porn is mentioned enough times in, in the books so the fact that the handle sounds a bit of a porn name
0: An- anastasia would approve yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so literally thank you to everybody and uh, we look forward to joining you all again if you do want to be a guest on our show just contact us via the social medias and uh, we'll be in contact
2: we hope you've enjoyed the show and we are looking to release an episode once a month and what we're going to do is we'll be releasing on the 12th of every month so until next month bye here
0: hello and welcome to the Fluffernut podcast uh, see I messed up already <laughs> try again <laughs> hello and welcome to the Fluffernut podcast an expeditionary force Fluffernutter. yeah there, there we go <laughs> one more time and then I'm
2: out the airlock
1: <laughs> Steve it sounded like you're about to say something uh, no actually um I, <laughs> I, I i didn't have something I had something weird okay. happen when I had a I had like some kind of a woodpecker land underneath my window and start tapping like crazy. I'm like, what is going on? So sorry, <laughs> sorry to sorry to it's 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 uh, daytime here in uh um in the Seattle area. So um so we have act, we have active bird life out here.
2: <laughs> no worries.
1: Now all I've got is bats <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've just got to get it edited and assembled. Yeah, that's
0: it. That's it. it.
1: Well, I am terribly sorry about that bird incident. (laughs) That's that's funny. No, it's just I heard I was listening to what you were.
2: I just heard a noise and I thought you were about to say something. So, of course, um, because we talked, I wanted to make sure that. you got to say what you wanted to. So, yeah, I didn't ex- oh, expect no, it you,
1: to be something like that. You were, you were, um, I, I mean, I appreciate you, you know, wanting to make sure I was, you know, all set. But man, um, I've never had that happen before. This a bird landed underneath my window. So th- I'm in my office looking outside um, at this tree that we just mangled. And uh, I think this bird wanted its revenge. It, uh, <laughs> It came to my window and started started pecking at it like a woodpecker, and I, I'm like, "What? What is going on?" And I didn't know it was a bird, and uh, I had to get up and I, had, I literally had to tap on the window to get it to go. And the first few times I tapped on it, just looked at me, and then tapped again itself. And I'm like, "No, you, no, you got to leave. I'm, I'm doing trying to do a podcast here. I, I you know, be polite." And uh, it did. It ended up leaving. But yeah, that was, what, what a dumb thing to interrupt a podcast. <laughs> Sorry about
0: that. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. I, mean, I was um, having an interview um, this morning for a new job. And uh, there was two squirrels um, running up and down um, the fence outside the window. And that's <laughs> all I could see was these two squirrels just chasing each other. And it's like, oh, my God. I'm going to get distracted in a minute. <laughs> I have to concentrate and not watch these. And done. It was the most fun ever. I hate my life. As expected, it was epic, historic, galactic levels of suckitude. ignorant monkeys
1: this show is brought to you by Sweet media computer list other available Sweet media programs loading Sweet preview program for the expanse a star trek enterprise podcast
0: when you look at it now you're like oh there is some stuff in there that it's not been handled delicately right. i think
2: but I think at the time, they, they handled it yeah. as delicately as they knew it, how
0: to. Exactly. You are spot on with that.
2: Not, it's not that, you know, throughout, through all time, it was not delicately handled. It's just at that time, with their understanding, they did the best they could.
0: They had the best intentions with it.
2: Kind of like Trip. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I, don't, <laughs> and I don't even think, if anyone watched it now and got offended by it, I don't think ever the intention was for that. I'd like to think anyone could look at it right. and think, well, actually, let's applaud the show for doing this story. When they were, when no one else was doing these yeah. kind of stories.
2: Loading Holosuite Preview Program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight Podcast.
0: That felt pretty cool. And that's when I, I really, really started connecting with Star Trek when I was actually here and on on the level of creator as opposed to fan. So... That was where i started getting it It was like hey i could do this i remember writing i sent this letter to him i wrote to um eric stillwell before i moved to to los angeles and asked about the the rules for submitting the script and all that stuff and then i had this idea never heard back from him
2: loading hollow suite preview program for ladies trek library women with a passion for star trek books
0: one of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it's called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, and she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her.
2: And I, and I like how, and I was thinking about the, uh, the Broadway
0: play Cats, because they kind of used cat names that, that reminded me of the names in this book. So. And, and this book was written in 85, so it could have been inspired by cats in that way.